Everybody have their Bibles here this morning? Yeah. We're going to actually go to Colossians again, still. We're going to go Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to do uh, verses 12 through 17. And when we get there, we can go ahead and say amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not Brother Benny Baker. <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you the glory. Father God, just let your spirit take over here this morning. Lord, let your word speak to the people here. Lord, let the scripture interpret it for itself, Father, Lord. Lord, let the Spirit move in a mighty way here tonight, today, Father God. Lord, just let your word speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 12. We're, first, we're going to go back to do a little thinking about what was last week. The principles, Paul was giving the church the principles of some things that they shouldn't do. Now in these verses, he's telling the, the believers that these are the things that you need to put on. Because as he's already saying, put on, and that's a command. But first I want to go on, before we do that, in verse 10 of chapter 3, it says, And have put on a new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. So when we become a Christian, we have a, a new man. It means we've, as 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things become new. So as a Christians, we become that new person. And that's when we're, as Christians, we need to put on what these things say. It says, put on therefore as the elect. The elect, I looked that up, means we are chosen. God chose us. We are God's chosen people. We are his children. God doesn't have any grandchildren in this life. He has children. We've been adopted into the family of God because of what Christ did for us through his blood. Holy and beloved. Well, God says, be holy, for there I am holy and beloved because we are of his beloved children. And then he gets bowels of mercy. Bowels. Look that up. A lot of times it says from the intestines. And stuff, but here in this verse it means heart. We have to have a heart for people that we see that maybe not right where they need to be, or maybe going through a thing. We've, I know, we probably all heard the saying is, "You don't know what they're walking through until you've walked a mile in their shoes." We don't know where somebody's going or what they're going through at that time. Where, where, why they're at where they're at and that's why we need to have a heart and have mercy for them it's a kindness sometimes I know it's kind of hard to be kind when somebody's done you wrong sometimes you want to probably take your foot and kick them to the side but we still have that's not the Christian thing to do and a lot of these things are actually the fruits of the spirit which comes from Galatians so if it if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to also show the fruits of the Spirit as being a Christian. These are things that we are supposed to, sh Paul's telling them, we need to uh, 
show these things to the world. The world needs to see these fruits that's coming out as a Christian because when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to show the fruits to the people. If you, if you want a, a world that is living like the world to come in to fall, be a, a believer, Paul's saying we need to show these things that they will know that you are a Christian. Because how we act and do is how people's going to see and they're going to want to know if we, we are believers or not. Which we're going to get to later on in these verses. Humbleness of mind. A meekness. Meekness does not mean that we're weak. And of course, Paul commands us that we need to put on these, and it's in Ephesians 4 2. Ephesians 4.2 says, With all loneliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So he, as he's telling the church in Glosh, he's also telling the church in Ephesians that these are the things that we need to do and long-suffering. And also in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, he talks about the same thing that we're going in here. Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto the obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. So, he's saying because we are the children of God, we are chosen by God, which we need to put on these. And the only way we can be put on them is by the sprinkling of what Jesus Christ did for us. We've been washed sanctified, set apart for the work of God. And in verse 13, we're going to go there. It says, Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against you, against any, even as Christ forgive you, so do you also forgive. Now, forgiveness is a hard one for anybody. I know I'm not 100% there. But the thing is, we need to look at it as this way. We need to forgive just even a little for what somebody's done us wrong, a little, because for Christ forgive us much. And I know sometimes it's hard for us to forgive, but by not forgiving, we're telling the enemy that they're winning. And that's what Paul, Paul is basically saying, that Christ has forgiven us so much and we have a hard time trying to forgive just a little bit. Christ was forgiven them when he was on the cross. He's saying, forgive them for they do not know what they do. They put Jesus to death. But we, we can't even forgive somebody that maybe stole $5 or cut us off at the headlight, which I had that happen to me this week already. But thing is, we also need to ask ourselves, how many times do we need to forgive? Well, Jesus answers that question pretty well in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 
verses uh, 21 through 22. <coughs> and when we look at the scripture, he was, he was actually with his disciples and they were wanting to know how, how many times to forgive somebody. They knew seven to forgive, but Jesus went took that a little deeper. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me if I should get, get, forgive him? Tell seven times? Because that's what the rules was back then. But Jesus took it a little bit further which Jesus is God in the flesh, so he's shown his characteristic to, to the world, to his disciples. Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. How many times is that? Can anybody tell me? 490. Yes. Basically, Jesus is saying, never stop forgiving. Mm-hmm. As long and then I know where... And the Bible also talks about uh, if you, uh, I think it's James, but he says going back to where you, uh, if he comes back to ask for forgiveness and then sins against until he continues to keep coming back, you just always constantly forgive him as long as it's from the heart. But you still need to forgive him because, like I said, forgiveness is for you and not, not the person you're forgiving. Because it could stop you with your walk with God. It could, not, it could stop where your destiny is with God by not forgiving. And again, you're showing worth the, letting the enemy win. And these next two scriptures is basically saying how we need to be in unity and peace with the world, with basically with the church is what he's saying. And it said in verse 14 it says, Above all things, again, Paul's telling the church of Galatia, command, put, put all these things that you just learned, but above all things, put on charity. Charity means love. Love is a big part of our walk with God. And believe it or not, the church is the hardest one to actually love on another. Like Steve was saying earlier during Sunday school about uh, we're judgmental sometimes. And I'll admit, I I am too. I'm no different than anybody else. But the thing is, that doesn't mean that we can't love the person. Love is a big part to which we are also called into one body. We are one body. There's not many different bodies. Jesus didn't plant a body here and a body here and a body here and a body here. No. The church has this one. And just because we may have differences We need to remember, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. 
Like the old saying, keep the main thing the main thing. If we can't keep Jesus, then we need to re-examine ourselves. But there is the one body and we will have the differences. That's what Paul's telling us. We still love him. And sometimes we have to sacrifice some of these differences. But we, we still continue to keep going forward for what Jesus wants. And be ye thankful. And let the earth, which is in bond perfectness, which is perfect unity, and let the peace rule, peace of God rule in your hearts. When we put rule means actually letting the being umpired in your heart. Meaning let letting God control the decisions that you need to make. Meaning you're totally surrendering to God's will, not your own. And that's what Paul's telling them. Because the heart is the center of conflict. Because there are feelings and our desires will clash with our fears and hopes, our distrust and trust and jealousy and love. But it's up to us how we deal with these things. Are we going to listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling us? So that's what Paul's trying to tell us. Are we going to let God rule in our lives? Are we going to let Him take control of our lives? Or are we going to let the world decide what, what needs to be done? Because if we don't let God rule in our hearts, we're not, let, we're not totally surrendering what God's will for our lives is. And then we also need to be thankful. Because uh, we need to thank God for what He's done for us. And another thing is how we can live in perfect peace is only true peace comes from God. John 14, 27 says, Peace I give unto you, but not as the world gives, but I give unto you. Do not be afraid and do not let your heart be troubled. Sometimes we, ha we don't have that peace because we are troubled by the things of the world. And Jesus is telling you, don't worry about the things in the world. I'm going to give you that peace. I've got everything under control. And if we're not looking to God for this peace, we're not going to be under control. We're going to let the world control our and dictate our lives because we're, li we're living in fear and doubt. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. So why are we letting our heart be troubled? We need to be of a clear mind. How we can be in the clear mind is being in the Word of God. I know one thing to get your anxieties up is watch the television. All the bad news on there. Then it makes you stop thinking about the Word of God the more TV you watch. more time you spend on Facebook. More time you, you do watch a movie that's got a bunch of violence in it. It's time that we get back in the Word of God to let that peace dictate and rule over us that we can have. And He'll bring the peace to us 
the unity force in peace, which is Ephesians 2, verses 14 through 16. Amen. Yeah, you're fasting. No, just, just watching. <laughs> says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments ordained in the ordinances, for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might be re- reconciled both unto God and one body by the cross, having slain the enemy thereby. So he's making the peace. He's broken the middle wall that was up before Jesus, who he's talking about, broke the middle wall. Before he had to go through a priest, and the priest had to go in the Holy of Holies. But what Jesus did on the cross broke all that. We we can actually have peace with God because of what Jesus did. Amen? Amen? And verse 16... It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart. He's saying, let the word be in you. I looked what the word means in this this, uh, verse. Word actually means logos. Word. But in this verse, it's actually talking about the doctrine. So we, so if we reread it, it said, let the doctrine of Christ. Well, how, how did the doctrine of Christ get into it? How, how did Christ get the doctrine? Well, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is, is God in the flesh. And uh, if we go back to... The Ten Commandments. That's God's doctrine. And if we look at the Ten Commandments, which if you guys want to look at them, I'm not going to necessarily go into them. It's Exodus starting with 20, starting with chapter 3. If we look at the, at the Ten Commandments, what they were was the first half was man with God. The second half of them was man with man. So when when the religious leaders tried to um, get Jesus Christ and said, what's the greatest commandment? said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And and then he took it a step further. And it says, Love your neighbor as yourself. So it's basically broke down in two things. And Jesus Christ fulfilled the Ten Commandments. He didn't come to abolish the law. He fulfilled them.
And for one, how do we get how do we get the word in us? Romans 10, 17 says it. And I know this one. It has to do with faith. Faith is another big part of our, our walk with God. So then faith come by hearing and the hearing of the word of God. So when we hear the word in us, the doctrine, which is Jesus Christ, we put that faith into action. And then, of course, we give thanks always. But again, we're also teaching and admonishing one another. This was a sign of worship. In the Psalms, hymns, and spiritual song with grace in your hearts. Grace is an undeserved favor. But we're also, in this one, we're, we're showing honor to God with our heart. And admonishing means warning. We should do more than just teaching the word. We should be warning them what the word says. And let the Holy Spirit, like Steve said, let the Holy Spirit convict the people. We should be coming into church being convicted every now and then. I'm not saying every Sunday, but we should let the Word, the Holy Spirit have the way. Let the Word take care of it. Like Pastor Curtis and me went down there and said, let the Word interpret the Word. That's what they taught, taught us. It's Scripture interprets Scripture. And the thing is, we need to watch what we say. And we always give thanks, which is in Ephesians 20. But we, the thing is, we need to watch what we say in word or deed, which comes from verse 17. And it says, Whatsoever do, ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. We need to watch what we say, because Proverbs 18.20 says, Power and the life and death speak from the tongue. We need to be careful what we're saying to people. We need to be careful what we're saying about our own selves. Because people are watching us. If we claim to be a Christian and followers of Christ, then why are we cursing? If we claim to say that, that we're followers of Christ, then why are we going to the strip clubs? We got to be careful of what we say because as Christians, we live in a glass house. And Paul's trying to, to tell the church at F, uh, Colossians that we need to be careful because we are being watched. We live in the glass house. We need to be careful what we say or what we do because they are watching us. And we're here to set the example. As Christians, we are, are to be Christ-like. In the book of Acts, it says they were first called Christians at Antioch. I think that's right. But that's, that's the thing. They, they see in how we are because we, we are Christ-like. So whatever we do, people are going to say, 
Oh yeah, that's a Christian. I can tell by the way he acts. And, and that's the thing. We should not really tell anybody. have to tell people that we're Christians because they're going to see us in word, word and deed. And the thing is, we need to do all, everything that we do needs to be for the Lord. We shouldn't do to get recognition for what we do. We, we shouldn't do it just because our boss tells us to, even though we should still do it, but otherwise we could be without a job. But the thing is, we, we need to remember that we're, we're not working for the man. We're working for God. Everything that we need to do, we need to do because God's getting the glory and God sees what we're doing. He knows what we're going to do before we even do it. So what we do, we, we need to do for, for the glory, for Him, not for us. Amen? And 1 Corinthians 10.31 It says, Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So no matter what you do, Give God the glory, amen? He, he's the reason that we are here and Christ set the example. Everything that was in the, these verses, Christ set the example. He fulfilled all these things for us and how we should be. How we should walk, what we should say, we should have the fruits of Spirit in us. Because God the Father gave it to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. We need to be thankful in whatever we do. Just because uh, it might not seem that things are going our way, we still be thankful to Him. Amen? Because what, what we got was given to Him, was given to us by Him. Whatever we got was by Him. We need to be thankful. The job that we have, we need to be thankful. We, we do our jobs because God gave them to us. And what He gives to us, He can easily take away. That's all I have here this morning. So if anybody needs any prayer...